Ladies and gentlemen, we are live for MMA Sucker Radio. This is MMA Fight Music Producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this could happen to me, plucked from obscurity or whatever I was working to be. But the opportunity presented itself, so I see the door was open. It's the breath of fresh air that I needed. Just an average dude, and now I've become a catalyst. Make connection between fighters and fans. Can you imagine it? I've learned to manage it. Analyst analysis, study the sport in every point because I'm passionate. I play the advocate and sometimes the antagonist. Building up the hype before a fight, this ain't by accident. In the world of mixed martial arts, I'm the evangelist spreading the news of MMA, the number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness, that's when we collaborate. Mikey Ruckus, Jeremy Brandis, we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision and yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. We are back with the first episode of Sucker Radio for 2015. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand. We have a great show. I'm going to be chatting with UFC 182 winner Cody Garbrandt later in the show, Team Alpha Male Fighter. But kicking things off, I have former MMASucker.com columnist, the man behind InTheCage.ca. He is Mr. Carlin Bardsley, and he's going to join me right now to chat about some of the biggest news to hit the UFC in a very, very long time. And and that's shocking because there was quite a bit of stuff that went down over the pa- course of the past few months. Jeremy, what's up, my brother? <laughs> a bit of a delay there, my friend. Yeah, you kind of kind of faded out on me there. <laughs> but uh, we're back now, so that's good. And you're absolutely right. Wow. Uh, UFC 182 in the books. And quite an event that was. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, who I know you're talking to in a bit, had a great effort against Marcus Brimage. I thought that was uh, one of the fights of the night. And, of course, John Jones slaying the, the demon that was Daniel Cormier and looking fantastic in doing so. But no one's talking about that right now. John Jones is all over the, all over the news, excuse me, for a completely different reason. Tested positive for cocaine metabolites. And uh, it was out of competition. So from what I understand, uh, that uh, the UFC or the Nevada State Athletic Commission are not going to be disciplining him as of yet. He's made the decision to check into rehab. And uh, we're going to have to see how that goes for Mr. Jones. As far as my take on the whole thing, uh, I am not really upset with John Jones. I think it was an incredibly stupid move, and I think there's easier ways if you really got your heart set on being the next Chuck Liddell. But the fact of the matter is that John Jones made a stupid mistake. John Jones will have to live with that. The only part that kind of burns me about John Jones is the absolute constant hypocrisy out of this guy. Uh, the one, uh, the one second he wants to be all keen on Jesus and everything else. And the next is, you know, hey, pussy, are you there? And, you know, oh, I'll be right back. I'm just going to do a few lines. But there are people who are saying that he's been doing this kind of thing for a while. I don't know one way or the other. I don't run in those circles. But that, if that's John, and if John really does have a cocaine addiction, then I wish him well. I wish him well. I wish him all the best in recovery. And I hope he, you know, for lack of a better term, gets his shit together, to be quite honest with you. I'm skeptical that that is the case. I think he was just, you know, perhaps partying a little bit too hard, 
uh, got surprised with the test, and you know that's that. And now he's going to rehab for some face-saving uh, reasons and job-saving reasons. And we've seen that happen to other athletes and other celebrities as well. So that wouldn't surprise me. But if it is sincere and he is battling addiction, good luck to you, John. It's just not an easy thing to do. Let's now, break, let's break this down into a little in a few a few little steps here before you before you go off a little bit here. So he tested positive right. for cocaine. This happened early in December, which is way before the fight happened. He tested on, I believe, December 4th, to be precise. Um, yeah, believe this that is, was the date. This is yeah. the same thing that happened in Vancouver with Ali Bagalatinov testing positive for steroids. It happened well before the fight with Demetrius Johnson. Is this something that, that comes into play, the fact that this was not released to anyone prior to the fight? Absolutely. I mean, if uh, they're just going to wash away the results, then why the hell even bother doing the test, Jeremy? This is what I don't understand. This is where I get really, really upset. I get upset with the UFC and I get upset with the athletic commissions for allowing this to happen. Because, you know, they knew John Jones had popped for cocaine and they decided to do nothing about it. They, just, they really, really wanted to keep it quiet until after the fight. And why did that happen? Because UFC is up against the wall right now. Standards and Tours has uh, threatened to slash their credit rating if they don't turn things around in this fiscal quarter, the first uh, fiscal quarter of 2015. That is why you're seeing John Jones and Daniel Cormier, uh, Anderson Silva, and, and Nick Diaz, Conor McGregor, and all these other fights, Chris Wyman and Vitor Belfort, all these other fights that are kind of stacked into this first quarter. That's why this is happening. So uh, Dana and the Partidas can turn around and show the credit agencies, oh, look, man, we got everything under control here. That's why they've you know, probably signed uh, Phil CM Punk Brooks and have been trotting him out to the media to try and spike interest that way. They're trying to reverse a trend. But what really kind of burns me is that uh, Daniel Cormier knew nothing about this. Daniel Cormier was the last guy to find out. He found out apparently just before the story broke today. How unprofessional is that of the UFC not to inform John Jones' opponent that, oh, by the way, you're, you're fighting a guy that, you know, pop hot for coke. We don't know if he's on coke right now. We're going to find out the post-test, uh, your analysis later on. But Daniel Cormier has no way to know if he's fighting a guy that's uh, pot for cocaine. Are you shitting me? So yeah. that's another thing that kind of kind of really burns me up about the whole thing. And UFC, I, the, the timeline, Jeremy, is that December 4th, I believe you're right, you know, the, they found out that Jones had popped hot. And then all of a sudden, uh, in the beginning of this year, they decide that they're not going to do other competition testing anymore. You're going to tell me that's a coincidence? No kidding. And what about their statement? I mean, they we fully support UFC light, light, light heavyweight champion John Jones. Dana White saying pretty much the same thing, that he's proud of John Jones for making the decision to enter a drug treatment facility. Look at what they did to Melvin Gillard. Look at what the Nevada State Athletic Commission did to him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, thank goodness. Thank goodness that John Jones is on cocaine and not marijuana, right? Exactly. Nick Diaz has to sit up for a year because of weed. Matt Riddle uh, fired. Matt Riddle loses his spot with the, the promotion because of marijuana. But cocaine, nah, 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 that's good. We're not going to worry about that. And to go back to the out-of-competition testing thing again, Dana White tried to say, oh, well, we, we bungled it. You know, we, we fucked up the Kung Lee thing. So that's why we're walking away from this. 
That is not what happened. They knew that their biggest meal ticket right now, John Jones, had just failed my own competition test. It was a convenient time to just drop the entire thing. If they were serious about it, they would have just said, listen, we're not going to do the testing anymore. We're going to hand it over to USADA or another qualified outlet and let them handle the business because that's what they know how to do. We're, we're going to do what we do and promote the fights. But that didn't happen. UFC is not doing out of competition testing now because they don't want to know the results. They do not want to be held liable for this kind of thing. And it's one of these things that is just really kind of setting the sport back. Do you remember uh, after Zupa bought the UFC, he said, okay, well, we're, we're going to do away with this, uh, uh, this image of fighters uh, uh, as thugs and this human cockfighting thing, and we're going to move to a nice, clean sport. We're regulated by the government. How many times did he say that, Jeremy Grant? We're regulated by the government. But as soon as it starts to turn around on them, he just wants to push it back to the dark ages. And that's where I get really upset. I'm upset at the UFC. I'm upset at the athletic uh, commissions for kind of saying, well, yeah, but, you know, the WADA that doesn't really uh, uh, consider cocaine out of competition, a banned substance, so we're not really going to act. You know, everyone wants to turn a blind eye to it because, hey, the fight made money. So that trumps everything else. So instead of a real sport, uh, we're, we're moving more and more towards uh, what uh, John Snowden called, and I thought it was harsh at the time, but I'm starting to come around to this, a hot garbage pseudo sport. And not even what it's doing to the sport, not even what it's doing to the UFC, but what did the cocaine do to John Jones? I mean, cocaine itself can make people feel no pain pretty much while they're on the drug. If for some reason this guy does get popped for having cocaine in his system during the fight or leading up to the fight, is this not the case? I mean, he could it not be considered a performance-enhancing drug if you're not feeling pain? Well, you know what's interesting about that is cocaine has a very short half-life. I think it's around three days. It's not like a marijuana where the metabolites stay in your system for like a month. Which is so interesting. If he, if he it, tested positive on December 4th, he obviously did that fairly recent to the to the date that he was tested. Within the three days, absolutely. Yeah. Between December 1st and 4th, that he was uh, you know partying or whatever else he was doing. So if it comes back, his, his post-fight analysis comes back and it, he does pop hot for cocaine, then it's not as easy for Dana White to say, oh, I, I support John Jones. How brave of him to go into rehab. No, because if he was fighting coked up, he's finished. Dana White can't hide behind anything at that point. And I, I, you know, I don't wish John ill will. And if, uh, if he is fighting on coke, then maybe he does have a problem. And maybe rehab's where he belongs. But I, <laughs> yeah, if he pops hot uh, for, for his post fight, then that's a real game changer now. That, that is something that no one can ignore or sweep under the rug. Do you think he should be stripped of the title? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm actually more I was more upset uh, at uh, John Jones really when he had the DUI and he wrapped his family around the, the pole and had those uh, two girls in the car with them because he put their lives in jeopardy and put other people's lives in jeopardy on uh, you know who were on the road that night. Um, stripped of the title for every competition cocaine use. That is more of a tricky one. I, I'd like to see a you know a, a really harsh fine and a suspension. Um, but if he's only fighting twice a year anyway, I don't know practically what a suspension is going to do. Um, I'm just hearing about this today, so a lot of what I'm saying is fueled by emotion. Everyone I'd is. I'd like to, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to 
I'd like to sit and think about whether John Jones should be, uh, you know, forfeit the title or whatever. It, it depends how long he's going to be in rehab too. If it's, you know, a, a standard 90 day thing, then he can almost come back and fight on his regular schedule as sad as that sounds. But if he decides that he's really going to make a go of this and, you know, he's going to be in rehab for six months or more then yeah, forfeit the title. Let's, uh, you know, Cormier and Gus or, or whoever else is on the table. And I know we're counting out rumble, but you know, uh, whoever else is on the table, maybe let them uh, decide it that way. And John, when he's well, can come back. Hell, they could make a great reality show out of this, eh? Uh, Nick's the Ultimate Fighter. Bring on rehab with John Jones. I, I kind of like that. I mean, we could get Doctor Drew involved in this. I think you know, uh, get get John Jones on Celebrity Rehab, and uh, you know, let the chips fall with me. I mean, Rico Rodriguez was on that show. Uh, Mark Ratner keeps on saying that marijuana users uh, who uh, who uh, get caught under the UFC banner should be going to rehab. Rehab for non-addictive substance. That's how backwards the UFC is on this. But hey, why not? Why not just uh, do a UFC uh, make the tough house the tough rehab house? I like it. Then we got something here. <laughs> no kidding. All right, let's talk UFC 182 then. Uh, it was obviously overshadowed by this news today on the fallout of UFC 182, but... The card overall was being marketed as one of the biggest cards, not just in, in this year, obviously, but in sort of the past few years with Jones Cormier, Cerrone Jury was a great fight. The main card overall was great, but it was full of decisions. What were your thoughts on the card overall? Overall, um, I thought the best fights uh, were on the prelim card, other than the main event, of course. Um, Cerrone and Jury, I saw people kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, putting the thumbs down to, I don't know that I saw it that way. I mean, uh, the jury would have liked to see a lot more output from, of course, but I, I think uh, yeah, he got tagged once or twice by Cerrone in the early going and decided that he didn't want to be within anywhere close to Don Cerrone's range. And that jury showed a lot of, a lot of uh, good, the head movement and footwork in the second round. The, the, the problem was he just wasn't counter punching off of those moves. So, you know, uh, Cerrone, I thought, would fight a good fight. I love the, the, uh, the quote, fuck you kicks at the end. I thought those are great. Uh, I thought Brad Tavares looked good over Nate Marquardt. Uh, I thought uh, you know his kicks looked good, and I just put together good combinations. Uh, Horiguchi and Godno, I, I really enjoyed that fight. You know, uh, hopefully that opens some eyes to, to Kyoji Horiguchi, uh, who could be a, a contender in the flyweight division. I don't know that he beat DJ, but uh, they desperately need new contenders. And Hector Lombard uh, didn't exactly pull the trigger on Josh Berkman, but uh, tore his leg up something nasty and. Proved what I've been saying for a long time that Josh Berkman is simply not a UFC caliber fighter. But as far as the prelims, loved Paul Felder doing the, the spinning back fist on Danny Castillo. As I said before, I thought the fight of the night was Cody Garbrandt uh, taking out Marcus Brimage. Uh, Sean Jordan looked good, and Evan Dunham looked good in his return, too, over Rodrigo Dam. So, uh, honestly, I, I, for fans of the prelim cards, uh, they really cashed in big here. And uh, John Jones and Danny Cormier, that's all I can walk away from the main card talking about. So, you win on that one as well. Let's talk about Hector Lombard a little. Do you think that this fight, um, does he sit out and wait for the winner? Uh, or, or does he sit out and wait to see what happens with the winner of uh, Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler? Obviously, that's probably not going to happen because Rory McDonald is sitting in the wings. Do you think that's the matchup to make, Rory McDonald, Hector Lombard? Yeah, I would I would see them doing that, and they could do that as soon as uh, April in Montreal. I'm now hearing that they're going to do Hendricks Lawler three in Montreal in April, and uh, Hector Lombard, Rory McDonald makes sense as a co-main event for that kind of pair of the, the top four uh, welterweights together on that card. 
Um, I don't know that Hector Lombard wins that fight. Rory, I'm sure, had a fire lit under him uh, after sniffing that title shot and having it yanked away. But, yeah, I do think that is the fight to make there, uh, Lombard and Rory, and uh, let the winner fight uh, Henrich Lawler. Now, the very first fight on this card on UFC Fight Pass was a fight... Uh, Marianne Renault versus uh, Alexis Dufresne. Dufresne showing that she does not deserve to be inside the UFC octagon. Looked absolutely terrible. No head movement, no foot movement. Um, this was something that Joe Rogan was saying numerous times throughout the fight. And I'm not a guy who really loves to listen to UFC commentary. But this one, Joe told it as it is. The girl should not be in there. The fight should have been stopped. Do you agree that this fight should have been stopped uh, in between the second and third round? Yeah, I have no idea why her corner sent her back out for that third round. That was absolutely senseless to me. Marion Renault was treating Alexis Dufresne like a heavy bag. And uh, Dufresne was showing absolutely nothing, nothing in the way of offense. She was, you know, uh, like that line in the first Rocky movie. She was just standing there blocking the punches with her face. And, yeah, I have no idea why her corner would send her back out. It's it's up to the corner to be smarter than that, really. You, you don't stop the fight when your fighter, you know, is, is taking so bad of a punishment that they can't continue. You stop the fight when she has absolutely no chance of winning. And after that second round, Alexis Dufresne had absolutely no chance of winning. It wasn't going to get better for her. And, yeah, the referee kind of stood around and kind of was uh, – I don't know, it looked like he needed some popcorn or something like that. He was having too much fun watching the brutality to actually do his job. But, you know, again, I, I really uh, put a lot of heat on the corner for that. They should not have let their fighter walk out for that third round. Donald Cerrone now moves on. He takes a fight just a couple weeks after this victory over Miles Jury. Announced yet on uh, Monday that he will take on Benson Henderson. What are your thoughts on this fight? I love it, man. How can you not love Donald Cerrone showing up at 8 a.m. Monday morning at the UFC office uh, demanding another fight? Uh, and now they're going up for the Bendo trilogy. And, yeah, Cerrone has already commented on this, saying that when he lost to Bendo, he was in the best head space. He's in a weird part of his career. He's red hot right now. And uh, Benson, you know, his, his, the heat is a little bit cooler now than he used to be. He's uh, really kind of trying to find his, himself again in that 155 division. And if he beats the guy as red hot as Cerrone, then all of a sudden he's right back in the mix, as Dana likes to say. But if Cerrone uh, beats Bendo and really puts on a show doing so, then he's got that next title shot, you got to think. For sure. Now, Daniel Cormier, what happens with this guy? He loses decisively to John Jones, couldn't take him down, but he's still sort of in that top-of-the-mix kind of, kind of uh, space in the light heavyweight division. Who do you see him fighting next? And obviously he's only one or two fights away from another title shot again. Yeah, he could keep him at light heavy, or, you know, he could even go back to heavy. He looked a lot uh, faster when he was beating up guys like Bigfoot Silva, Josh Barnett, Frank Mir, and the rest. So if Kane is going to be out for any long period of time, then maybe, you know, he doesn't have to worry about fighting his teammate. He can go up and uh, uh, mop up the heavyweight division again. Uh, 205 is a very thin division. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what shakes out. If Gus beats Rumble, as I think a lot of us are expecting, then you have to make, uh, well, I've, you did have to make Jones and Gus. Now that's a wild card, too, with uh, uh, with the rehab question. But, you know, if Jones is unable to compete, maybe you do Cormier versus Gus for the interim title. Uh, or, you know, Rumble, uh, if, uh, if Rumble wins, he's in that spot. If Rumble loses, maybe do Cormier-Rumble from there. So there's, there are still possibilities. 
Uh, 205 has really kind of fallen off though from when it was the money division for the UFC. You've got kind of John Jones and everyone else right now. It's it's almost like Ronda Rousey, uh, a victim of their own success. For sure. Now, finally here, Carlin, before I let you go, something I know you're going to want to talk about, professional wrestling. Uh, CM Punk started yeah. training with Rufus Sport this week. We saw him in a photo with Anthony Pettis, Ben Askren, the guys down at Rufus Sport. Just uh, talk about your feelings about CM Punk entering the octagon and how you think he'll do when he does finally make it inside the cage, probably in seven, eight, nine months from now. Uh, Carlin, you there? Of MMA that quickly, it's just not possible. As far as them signing them in the first place, I am one of those people that I absolutely don't get it. I mean, so he wanted to fight. So what? What are his qualifications? He had literally never trained MMA before, and the UFC signs him. I, it makes no sense to me. This, this is, you know, this is again one of those things where UFC has to decide whether they want to be a freak show carnival act or a real sport. And a real sport would not allow this to happen. They would not sign a guy like CM Punk. They would not trot him out in front of every media outlet saying, "Hey, look what we did." You know, what if CM Punk happened to be a hockey fan? Did you think the Toronto Maple Leafs would sign him tomorrow with no training? Well, what Toronto, Toronto might have. <laughs> All right, I'll walk into that one. I'll give you that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, uh, if he was an NFL fan, would he be able to walk on to the Seahawks? Yeah, and if, if he was a, an NBA fan, would he be able to walk on to the Lakers? No. You know why? These are real sports, and they're treated as such. Could you imagine the NHL... Uh, you know, let's say he signed up the LA Kings, for example. Could you imagine the NHL signing CM Punk and trotting him out in the LA Kings jersey for every day? No, they'd be the laughing stocks of the pro sports world. And that's what UFC is seeming to aspire to be now. And they've spent years and millions in marketing telling us that this is the hallowed proving ground of the gladiators and yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they're just saying, hey, anyone can do this. It doesn't matter. You know, and I know what people are going to say, oh, but it's good for business. It's all about business. Well, you know what else is good for business? I have an idea for you, Jeremy Brand. Why don't we have Stefan Struve fight a kangaroo? I mean, people will pay to see that. How about Jock Ray Caesar? Why don't we have him fight an actual alligator? Well, wouldn't that be something to watch? No, because, you know, again, you want to be a sport or you want to be a freak show. You can't do both. And UFC seems to be taking that path of of least resistance and you know maybe we'll get to see jerry springer do some ufc commentary while we're at it you know we'll get steve wilkos in the cage i mean why not at this point right like john snowden compared it hot garbage pseudo score we're on the absolute wrong path and it's a disservice it's a slap in the face to all the athletes that have spent so long dedicating themselves to martial arts perfecting their craft and i mean freaking you know al bundy is on twitter at o'neill as, you know, he's kind of campaigning. I don't know if it's tongue-in-cheek or not for the CM Kong fight. At least he's trained jiu-jitsu. He's trained jiu-jitsu. You know, he's a legit, he's a legit guy under the Gracies. He's not, you know, a tourist like Punk was in his training. And, he, you know, he has legit athletic credentials being a rookie with the Pittsburgh Steelers. How sad is it that Al Bundy has a bigger and better case to be in the UFC 
than CM Punk. But no, they signed CM Punk. And I don't know, I guess all the wrestling fans are happy about it. And you know what? Good for them. And I don't want to come off as high and mighty saying that wrestling sucks, but it does suck. But, you know, that's not why I'm mad about this. I like lots of stupid things, too. For example, I'm probably the world's last Guns N' Roses fan. It's 2015. I'm still hoping Axel's going to come up with another album. I actually am one of the three people on earth that actually enjoy Chinese democracy. But let me put it to you this way. I don't want to see Axl Rose fight. I don't think that because Axl Rose is more famous than CM Punk, that Axl Rose somehow belongs in the UFC. And that's the disconnect between reality and wrestling fans. The wrestling fans think that just because they like something, that, oh, well, it's a great idea to have Punk in the cage. It doesn't work like that. You either want to be a sport or you don't. Here's Carlin Bardsley. Uh, Carlin, just let people know where they can find you in the social media universe. I know you've told them this before, but uh, I'm sure we have new listeners listening to this one. Uh, just let them know, buddy. Yeah, you can find me uh, on the Twitter, at Carlin Bardsley. Oh, and, uh, the website is inthecage.ca. Kind of my internet bathroom. If there's uh, something that I'm, you know, <laughs> something I want to drop off, and chances are that's where it'll land. But yeah. Uh, on the Twitter, at Carlin Barnsley, I'm actually usually a much nicer guy than this, and Jeremy will attest to that. I just got a little worked up tonight with, uh, uh, never mind, uh, <laughs> all, the, all the John Jones cocaine, I think, is getting in my system. But uh, you can tweet, tweet me, at Carlin Barnsley. We can talk about MMA. We can talk about other things. We can talk about Guns N' Roses. We can talk about beer. We can talk about the Canadian telecom system, Bill Murray movies, Asian women. Um, I don't really know much about anything else, but that's where they'll find me. Carlin, it's been a pleasure as always, buddy. Uh, thanks for joining me, and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. This was fun. Thanks for having me back, Jeremy. As I said, Carlin Bardsley, it's always fun to have that guy on the show. He is um, heated at times when it comes to everything. I mean, I knew that I was going to get something out of him when it came to CM Punk and pro wrestling. We've had those discussions before. He hates talking about it, but... This one was heated, so I was glad to discuss that with him. Right after this, we'll be joined by Justin Pirro giving us his unpopular opinions. You got an opinion? It doesn't matter. Because Justin Pirro doesn't give a shit about yours. Up next, Unpopular Opinions, here on Sucker Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, Justin Pirro, here on Sucker Radio with more unpopular opinions here at MMASucker.com. Now, first off, Carlin Bardsley, man, he's like the Incredible Hulk in reverse. The more sober he is, the more angry he is. Isn't it great? And honestly, I'm pretty angry too. I mean, let's get past the fact that John Jones is a complete idiot for doing coke anyways. He's a parent. He's a champion. He's supposed to set an example. You know, smarten the hell up. But the bigger fault doesn't lie with Jones. I've got issues with WADA, USADA, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and the UFC. Number one, with cocaine. All right, you say it's not a PED, but uh, if taken at least out of competition, you claim it's okay, even though it's technically illegal, WADA and USADA. Well, here's my issue with that. 
I actually went in, I did some research, not just Wikipedia, actually. I did a decent amount of proper research, actual medical studies and things like that. And uh, I know I'm not just talking about drugsaregreat.com either. I went to places like the U.S. National Center for Biotechnology Information. I went nature.com. You know, I, I looked at a lot of different places, not just your Wikipedias. And I was able to find some things that are questionable. Number one, cocaine can have a deleterious effect on uh, testosterone production, which could explain Jones's low T to E ratio. But other than that, did you know, did you know that uh, when you're on cocaine, it can cause hyperthermia, you know, cause you to heat up also increases the amount you sweat, which, you know, that can help with a weight cut. I can definitely help with a weight cut. Uh, I've heard anecdotal evidence about it you know, causing you to uh, urinate and defecate more, but I can't really find anything conclusive on that either way, except that it can do some damage to your kidneys, and, well, that affects your pissing. Now, the next thing is, Nevada State Athletic Commission, you claim you got this to the UFC on the 23rd, and it's up to them, blah, 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 blah. First off, uh, if it's considered out of competition, why were you testing? And secondly, why do you, with things that you've changed compared to the USADA and World Anti-Doping Agency standards, why would you not conflict with their definition of out of competition? The USADA and WADA standards for out of competition are 12 hours sorry, more than 12 hours before the competition. I so disagree with that. Once you enter fight camp, within the very least, within a month of the fight, that should be considered in competition. And so, that's just ridiculous. Within a month should be con of your fight, it should be considered in competition. And if you're doing drugs of abuse or performance-enhancing drugs, doesn't matter. Whether you're doing a stimulant that can increase, uh, you know, your sensitivity to sight, sound, and touch. You know, all things that I would think would help a fighter if they're actually doing it. Like cocaine, a stimulant. You know, I have an issue with that. Cocaine's also an, an anesthetic. It's actually still used for lacrimal duct surgery as an anesthetic. Still used for eye surgeries. But, I digress. Whatever, I'm... Whether it's a PED or not, that's irrelevant. It's still a stupid thing to do, and the fact that it's not tested for out of competition, or it's not supposed to be tested for out of competition, and the Nevada State Athletic Commission still went ahead and did that, that's still pretty freaking stupid. Next, the UFC. You, you, guys, or you and the Athletic Commissions have given people so much crap for marijuana metabolites, which stay in the system a lot longer than cocaine. Okay, so, because marijuana gets into the fatty tissue and blah, 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 blah. Anyways. The fact that you think that marijuana is more damaging than cocaine, I have an issue with than that. That's, no, 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 no. You gotta be on some drugs yourself there. 
And the UFC, you know, they're t- they take this hard stance against guys smoking pot and all that. And then they've got a guy doing cocaine, which is in violation of their own code of conduct. And they send him off to rehab and wish him well. No. Suspension. Yes, send him off to rehab. Yes, I hope he gets clean. I think any fighter struggling with addiction issues that's in the UFC should be able and be helped to get the help they need. But, code of conduct violation, and you do nothing! You knew in advance of the fight, and you did nothing. I understand not wanting to lose out on the main event of what was supposed to be one of the biggest fights of the year. And... You did nothing. You did nothing. The Nevada State Athletic Commission claims that they gave you the information on November 20... Sorry, not November, December 23rd. And you did nothing. You didn't even fine him. And you haven't shown that you're going to fine him or strip him of his title because quite frankly, fine him, strip him of his title. You know, three-stage tournament. You got fights coming up that can lead up to that. You got Gus and Rumble. You got Phil Davis. Well, that's off now because Glover's out. So actually, hey, that's what you do. You make it a two-stage tournament. You have... You got three fights in total. You got Gus versus Rumble, and then you got Phil Davis versus DC. You booked that for a later, for a slightly later date, if DC is up for it. And then the winner of those two fights fights for the UFC light heavyweight title. See, that's how you deal with that. Yeah, when John Jones comes back, if he's clean, you know, I hope he gets clean. I do. I may not like the guy, but I want people to get help with their addiction issues. Certainly. But, you know, he needs to be away from the sport and he needs to be away from his hangers-on. And if you tell me, oh, he's young and famous and has money and he made a mistake, you would do the same thing. No, you're 27, you're a grown-ass man. I, this whole thing just pisses me off. You know? I just... I just, I just, I can't believe this, you know? It's like, it almost proves that second tier of MMA media and bloggers that we can't have nice things because our sport is screwed up. And yes, I know, Andre Agassi busted for crystal meth in 1997. Uh, football players, basketball players, all kinds of drugs and fun crap. But you know what? It doesn't matter. If you're in a sport... You're in a position where you are expected to be a role model. Whether you agree with it or not, that is something that you have to own and that is something that you have to take on. You know what? Damn, man! And John Jones has kids! You know, that's that's probably the part that pisses me off about him doing this crap anyways. You know, he's got kids and there there's better examples of MMA parents. Dwayne Ludwig. You know? Daniel Cormier. I mean, for crying out loud, Cody Bollinger's a better example of a... He's a good parent. You know, they're... Kat Zingano. I mean, there's better examples of MMA... Of role models, of parents, of people who are doing good for their communities, of people who are doing good for themselves and setting the right example, doing... Not just do as I say, do what I say... They are, they are examples of what you should do. 
and I'm sorry if I'm moralizing, but get over it. All right. Next thing. <laughs> the next thing we're going to move on to. I, I'm going to have to keep this short. You know, uh, Marion Reno and her complete, complete destruction of Alexis Dufresne. Send Dufresne back to Explode Fight Series, that canned factory, or let her work her way up in smaller leagues. Yes, cut her, but you know what? Tyone, that ref, fire him. Fire him now. Every, he should be barred from working with the athletic commissions. Every referee, every judge, basically every official that has some sort of effect on the outcome of a fight should be qualified. John McCarthy has a course called Command. Did you know that you have to pay, be in the 90s to pass it if you want to be a judge? You have to get like 90% or at least to pass it? It's, it's ridiculous. And Herb Dean's got a course as well for refing and judging. And why are the athletic commissions not requiring people to have these certifications in order to referee or judge? Why is it that we still get the Tyones, the Mazagatis, the Cecil Peoples? Why are they still involved in this sport in any way that can affect the outcome of a fight? Ugh, man, ugh. I got no love for these people. I got no love for these people. Ugh. You know what? If you got complaints, if you got grievances, hit me up on Twitter, at StormlandBrand, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Stormland, or, hey, go to the MMA Sucker Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Sucker. Comment on the Sucker Radio thing. I want to hear your complaints and grievances. And you know what? Speaking of no love, Jeremy Brand's got Cody No Love Garbrandt fresh off his UFC 182 win. Here you are. My next guest is fresh off a big TKO victory against Marcus Brimage at UFC 182 this past weekend. Please welcome Cody No Love Garbrandt to Sucker Radio. Cody, thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks, guys. What's up? Now... Congratulations on the victory, man. I mean, your first time inside the octagon, it didn't really seem like there were many octagon jitters in there. Well, you know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I was happy to be there and I dreamed of being there. So just like, hey, you know, we dreamed these days and you were coming, working hard and dedicating yourself to it. Now it's time to go out there and prove, you know, prove that you belong here. You know, a lot of people had me as uh, marks of this and that, but. I know what I train with every day and know what I can, you know what I mean? I have the best gym, the best team in the world. I go with the best fighters and most elite fighters in the world. So I know what I can do. And uh, I was excited to finally get a show off and uh, I'm that level. Yeah, no kidding. It's not like you're uh, in, in a place where there's no bantamweights to fight with. Yeah, definitely. Not, man. It's like bantamweights, flyweights, featherweights, you know, lightweights, it's, uh, it's a gym, you know. It's, and we got definitely got heavier guys too. A lot of us, you know, a lot of our heavier guys, you know, they, you know, they don't think that we have them out here, but we have some some heavy hitters out here as well. That's going to be crashing into, you know, knock on the UFC doors and other you know, major organizations as well. 
I noticed uh, in a photo uh, on Monday, I believe, that you were right back into training. Is this is this the norm for you, or is this something you know that uh, you could get a last-minute call at any time to be a replacement inside the octagon? Yeah, man, whatever. Whatever the UFC wants me to do, um, I, have a, I have a little bit of uh, some uh, injuries I got to address real quick. Um, you know, we'll get them checked out after the fight that I uh, sustained in there. Um, just like little ones and just precautionary so I can have longevity in my career and I can always stay ready. So just little minor things, I'm just going to get checked out and uh, get to clear on them and uh, get going back to the gym, you know. Um, you know, I was, we always, you know, the one thing Arias says, you know, no matter what, even if you're not training, you know, be in the gym, just be around the gym, you know, osmosis, just be in the gym, being around that feeling. You know, the more that you're outside the gym, you know, you're away from the gym, the, the you know what I mean, the less that you're going to be motivated to be in the gym, you know. So I'm just, like, super motivated to be around all these guys and just the energy of the room that that uh, it gives off to all the, you know, elite fighters and talented fighters that are in there is amazing. It's just great to be around, you know, just be around to go in there and just watch that energy, them spar, them train. You know, you get to watch that for free, some of the best fights you ever see. You you said minor injuries. This is nothing that will set you back, right? No, 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 I definitely don't think so. Just, uh, you know, just, uh, I want to take care of my body. I want to, like I said, I want to have longevity in this career. These little injuries that you sustain in the fights and the train, you know, in the training, if you, you know, were to sustain in the training, um, you know, those, you know, those tax on as your career gets older and older and you get, you know, so I understand that. Um, so I'm definitely just taking precaution and that's why I come back and fight for you guys, you know? For sure. Is is so you said Uriah has that saying, even if you're not in training camp, be in the gym. Is he someone that you truly look up to and did you look up to him before starting your your uh, MMA career? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh definitely. You know, that's Uriah Faber, the California kid, he was one of the first he's the OG, you know, he's the OG of the the lightweight, you know what I mean? He was a lightweight king, you know, featherweight king. Um we all look up to him, you know, I mean I'll never be you know, big like you know, fifty five. You know, cut the fifty five suit. You know, I was never ever walk around. So they also have to fight the low weight. You know, he kind of he paved that way for you know, a kind of fighters like myself. You know, that used to watch him in the day. I mean, that's that's going to be me. I was never going to be the Chuck Liddell, you know, or the you know heavyweight champions. You know, I was never going to be those people. So definitely, that's what I looked up to as a kid was Ryan Faber, and it's just so awesome to be on his team. And you know. Call him a brother, you know, and just it's really good. You know, I've never looked up to him, and definitely um, he motivates me. Now, talk about the lead up to the fight. This being your first time inside the octagon, this time your first time with the UFC fight week and everything prior to the fight. What was sort of the lead up like? School man, just uh, stay calm. You know, I just kind of when I closer and closer to the fight, I stay by myself. You know, what I mean, I stay uh, just uh, doing a lot of. During fight camps and uh, fight weeks, I always do, uh, you know, you find out, like, kind of, like, really who you are during those weeks. Um, you know, how tough you are, what you can really take, you know, because, we got, you know, everyone in the fight camp, there's all kind of your training, you got your weight, your diet, you know, the grind. It really, you know, does, you know, you got to, you know, mentally and physically prepare for those things. And, uh, you know, so I find a lot, a lot, a lot about myself. Um, during those uh, fight camps and the fight week. So uh, just a lot of reading, you know, talking with inside my head, you know, with my teammates and just 
just getting yourself ready to go to battle, man. You know, just getting your mind. You got to train physically, you know, being in tip-top shape, you know, we're elite fighters in the world. But also you have to train your mind mentally just to be ready to go in there and just say, you know, screw it, you know, pin your ears back and go fight, you know. Do you cut a lot of weight? Um, Actually, well, I, I started cutting weight um, for 30, 35. I used to walk around like 168. But uh, my weight was real low. I, you know, I stayed ready after my last fight. I didn't blow back up. I uh, stayed ready because I kept calling to like Sean, Sean Shelby and Dana Way. Like I was like, hey, you know, on Twitter, like hitting up, like let me live, like let me get in there. You know, you won't, you won't let me just prove, let me prove, you know, that I'm, uh, you know, I belong in the, in the UFC. So I just stayed ready, got back to training, and kept my weight low. So wasn't I didn't have to cut much weight? And that's another thing that I like. You yourself was the one that was hitting up Sean Shelby. You didn't have a manager doing this or anything. It was you pushing to get inside the octagon. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, after the fight, I kept just tagging Sean Shelby and Dan Way, saying, "Let me live." Like, you know, this is what I dreamed of. I didn't have, you know, I turned down Bellator contracts and other kinds of fight offers. So I knew that the UFC is where I belong, um, fighting with elite fighters, and uh, that was in my dreams and the visions. And uh, I wasn't sell, you know, selling myself short. You know, I really liked the way I was treated at the UFC. Um, you know, my first experience was great. Um, such an honorable uh, company to work for. And uh, I can't see what, I can't wait to see what the future has in store for us. That's awesome. Now, what about when you heard Bert yell, you know, we're rolling, you know, he yells out in the back for the fighters to come out and, and do their thing. That had to be super cool. What, what was the walkout to the cage like for the very first time? Was it everything you expected? Yeah, you know, I always get fired up for the walk. I always get fired up for fighting. Um, like I said, like my nickname's No Love, and like from the week, I got the whole fight week. I turn into No Love. You know, that's like your alter ego. You get in there, and it's business. I don't shake hands. Like I don't. You know, I'm ready. I'm there to do my job. You know, the job's not finished until my hands raised. I'm cashing both. You know, both checks. So I definitely turn into No Love there, and definitely like the uh, weigh-ins, and then until the fight's over with. You know, I start my opponents after, but. I just fired up, man. Just was ready to go, like ready to just get get in there and, like I said, carve this dude up. I said it all week. I can't wait to get my hands on this guy. You know, I look at it every fight. You know, I train hard. I just can't wait to just get my hands on him. And finally, you know, eight weeks, you're thinking about this guy. You know, he's trying to do the same to you. And so I just it's like excited. But you know, hearing Bert, you know, it was cool trying to take it all in, but at the same time staying focused. You know, and uh, until the fight was over. Now you finished Brimage with with just a few seconds left in the fight. That it's got to take a lot to continue to push when you you sort of you must have known inside your head that you had the fight won, even though really you never no, want to leave it in the judges' hands. But you must have clearly known that you would be ahead on the scorecards. Um. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. I knew I was ahead on the scorecards, and uh, you know what? I, I was hesitant a lot. You know. Um. You know. I didn't. I was kind of a little surprised in there that. You know, Brimage, everyone made Brimage out to be more than what he was. And uh, not, don't get me wrong, he, um, I respect him as a fighter. He does some good things. Yeah, I think this is the best I, I, I've seen him fight. I watched all his films. He just kind of was a different fighter. He moved angles a little bit better than he had. He didn't come forward. And that was because uh, he respected my power. And, uh, you know, um, so that's so hats off to him. He, he uh, kept, you know, got me thinking. But I knew I, I, I seen a lot of uh, openings, you know, to, go and just uh that's one thing i can take from that fight that i was a little too hesitant um with throwing and said my uh, combos better but uh 
he said, I, I, I knew the whole time I got, I could end the fight and whatever. It was just, you know, I was being real patient and, you know, really just setting, you know, setting up, kind of being a little bit more patient than I usually am. But, uh, you know, we definitely wanted to, um, keep, you know, keep entertaining, keep, keep the fight. And I, I was enjoying myself in there. I really was. It was fun. Um, you know, I heard my whole fan, you know, I had a bunch of people come around. I heard 922 getting cheered in the, in the gym and, uh, you know, it was just, just had fun in their fight. And then, uh, yeah, but I definitely saw openings, but I took a lot from that fight. He's he's been known for his power. Did you did you feel that in there, or was he just, you know? No, man. Um, yeah, go on. I know I can take I know I can take a good shot, and uh, you know, all week everybody was telling me like a lot of other fighters, and and uh, you know, um, you know, I'm not gonna you know name drop, but uh, some big people in the in, in the place say, hey, he's got power, and he's got power. And it's like. I so you know I, I was ready to go you know I was ready to go whatever he, I, I felt like whatever he hit me with I would walk through it you know I just got myself ready and uh, you know whatever happened I wasn't I wasn't losing that fight you know would you <clears throat> would you say he's he's he is your toughest test to date and and did it feel any different from your other four fights No it wasn't tough I mean I mean you can look at it and like oh it was tough but no I wasn't ever in any danger I hit me with as hard as punches you know straight left and. You know, trying to set this little head kick. Um, but really, man, like I, I was, like I said, I was just hesitant. You know, that's one thing that I said, like, I felt like that was, you know, that was my best performance and I can fight way better than that, which is good because, you know, that was my first debut. But definitely hesitant. And uh, but I took, like I said, I took a lot from this fight. Um, fought a veteran and uh, beat him in late in their third round and got the finish. And, uh, you know, testing, you know, testing uh, my chin and uh, also my cardio against the, yeah, uh, you know, a veteran over that. So I took a lot from this fight. It's going to give me comments for the next one. We're excited to get in there, get back to training, and uh, keep fighting, put on shows for the UFC. The performance was outstanding. Your movement, everything was on point. Heck, the fight itself was an entertaining one to watch. Were you at all surprised that the UFC snuffed you from a 50K bonus? No. No, I mean, um, whatever, you know. And um, the money will come. I really enjoyed fighting. You know, I wasn't bummed. I was going to let that, like, deter me. You know what I mean? I thought the UFC took really good care of me. Um, you know, definitely my first debut fight. They gave me a, a veteran. Uh, but, you know, that was just March the 7th UFC fight. He did a stay on the tough. And they gave me the co-man event um, on Fox. So, honestly, for that, you know, $50,000 would have been definitely, would have been nice. Obviously, we got to get paid. But, uh I was thankful for the opportunity just to fight for the UFC and they continue to put on shows. Man, it's my my, my uh, passion's fighting, and uh, I'm just glad to get in there. So you you uh, said you know you fought the veteran there in Marcus Brimage. Would you like the UFC to to push you along slowly, or would you want to step up in competition? What's next for No Love? Man, really, whatever. I like I said, I fight the top guys in, in the world every day. I fight champions. You know, it's you know, look at you look at the team Alpha. You know, I didn't really notice that. You know, it was a big deal me fighting Mark Spencer in my first fight until a couple of interviews I did there. They're like, you know, usually they do the debut guys, debut guys themselves or guys that you know whatever. I didn't think like that. You know, because I I go with killers every single day. It's a survival. You know, and and just being on the team, you know what I mean? If you can survive being on the team, the team out now, and, and put in the work, you're going to be successful. And, uh, you know, just, you have to. It's, it's a survival one out there. You being at Team Alpha Male, you're the next guy that made it into the UFC. I know uh, 
there's other guys that are very, very close to being there. Who are some guys at Alpha Mill that we may not know about that you think will be there within 2015? Oh, man, there's so many, so many talented fighters. I mean, <clears throat> so many name. Um, you know, Eric Sanchez will definitely be, uh, that kid's an animal. Um, he's at 45 there. You know, Vinny Murdoch coming up. Um, these are all guys, you know, 35, 45, um, Trying to think who else, man. There's so many guys that I would love to just a few guys, you know, if they get that chance, you know, get that get their records and fight the guys and they definitely, you know, can do some ways in the UFC and I'm thankful for all my teammates. I guess you don't want to leave anyone out as well. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to think about not trying to stay too long on and there's so many fighters dude. That's like honestly and if I gotta tell you, when I go in there and we just, you know, watch sparring and I get to watch some of the best fights for free. Just by way, you know, going to that gym. I mean, you have so many Italian fighters that it's just see some of the best fights. You know, it's awesome. I love being in there. Now, I'm from up here in Vancouver, British Columbia, one of our boys. Every time I talk to a guy from Alpha Male, I got to bring up Graham Spencer. How's he doing in the gym? We're excited to see him back in the ring with Maximum Fighting Championship whenever they have their next uh, promotional fight. Yeah, man, Graham's good, man. He's uh, like awesome. He's one of those dudes that... He's a tough dude. He shows up to practice, trains hard, and uh, he's very humble, you know, and a good dude. I mean, it's good to have him out here. Um, you said no love is is sort of a nickname where, you know, you don't shake hands and stuff like that, but you've been getting a ton of love from the media as of late. Um, so do you feel like the nickname needs to change? No, man. Like I said, like people, my nickname is, you know, my fighting name. I'm not no love. 24 7 365 you know um maybe you know percent you know whenever fight it and fight it that's not no love you know you know, um, you know it's, it's you know it's entertainment you know but that is me like i believe that um, i try i flip the switch on before i get in there you know uh i can be joking around mess around before the fight it can be you know my goofy ass self like everybody that really knows me is and then you know i can go into straight ready to you know get my hands on it, do try to take this dude out in the most violent way that I can. And, uh, so that's, that's a no love part. You know, I'm not really all that violent the whole, my whole life, but it's just my, uh, my alter ego in there. I have to bring it up just because it was such big news this week. John Jones tested positive for cocaine metabolites. I saw on your Twitter that you said, uh, you said praying for you, Johnny bones. What are your whole thoughts on this sort of debacle that went down earlier this week? <clears throat> Yeah, it's just uh, just you know, it's sad to see some of the champion that's uh, and that happened to a lot, influence a lot of people, and uh, you know, I don't know the story. I don't know, you know, what what can even like drive drive drove him to do that or want to do that. But I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna judge him over. I'm not gonna say, oh, you know, make fun of it. You know, just just praying for him, man, that he finds the help, you know, and he really does it, and he goes to rehab, and that's what the real reason is for it. He, he does want to stop doing it and, uh, you know, get his life together on, on that aspect, but uh, he's still a phenomenal fighter, and, uh, I mean, it's kind of incredible, you know, the the you know how talented he is, you know, and just uh, still able to see the sun with addiction, you know. You never, never want to see that, you know. I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, growing, growing up, a lot of... Uh, evil things that drugs can do and, and what they can do to a, 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 a good person, you know, and uh, just sucks to see, man, just from my experience of knowing what drugs can change people, you know. 
For sure. Now, you are, I saw someone on Twitter when you got the win. This is totally changing the subject, but someone said, neck tattoo for the win. Uh, you are completely tatted up. Talk about some of your tattoos and, and one of which that, that means the most to you kind of thing. Yeah, man, just, uh, I got a lot of tattoos of meaning. Um, I got true love tattooed on my knuckles. You know, that's some good meaning to me because I do love fighting. It's my true love. It's my passion. Um, I don't know, I mean, I've had a lot of tattoos that mean a lot to me. And uh, <laughs> I got a grenade on my right hand because that's, uh, that's you know, dropping bombs. <laughs> I've always wanted a grenade and I got a grenade on my hand. I got, only God can judge me on my left hand. And, uh, you know, just... Uh, I got 922 is my area code. It's had it on me about 10 times. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be from where I'm from. And uh, I got Twin City tattooed on my traps. It's um, back home. It's Dennis and Ericsville. We call it the Twin Cities, 922. But uh, yeah, I have I have a lot, you know. Um, yeah. That's cool, man. Now, finally, before I let you go here, when would you like to get back inside the octagon? You said there's some medical things you want to get cleared up before anything gets happening. When would you like to get back in there? You know, not, I don't know. Not, to be honest, um, whenever, man, just, I, I, I take a fight when it's right, you know. Um, no rush, I just fought, you know, four times last year. If the UFC wants to keep me busy, keep me busy. Um, I'm just... Uh, I'll be in the gym training, staying ready for, you know, whatever the UFC wants me to do next. Uh, you know, I'm definitely excited to get back in there. It felt good to be in there. And I can't wait to keep, you know, uh, knocking these dudes out in the bantamweight division. I'm sure that you uh, know plenty of fighters on the 35 roster. You, you will fight anyone, but is there any name that piques your interest? Not really, man. Like, that's not my job to, you know, I'm, I'm a new guy, so, like, Whatever I'm gonna, you know, I, I'm I'll fight whoever they want to fight me against. But uh, you know what I mean. Um, I'm just I'm just here for what they want me to do. You know, to be honest, uh, I'll fight whoever. And so I joke. I talked to Sean after he said I'll be in touch. So I'm sure they'll be in touch soon. Um, once they know that I'm good, and uh, you know, whatever I like to fight. Hopefully, I like to see UFC come to Cleveland, man. To be honest, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Haven't had a show there. You know, I have Steve Amiosic, who just fought Junior Rosinos. You have Jessica I, um, out of Cleveland, Ohio, myself, uh, Matt Brown. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a couple of Ohio UFC fighters that we can really put on a nice card in Cleveland and give back to, you know, at least being away or Sean Shelby, you know, the UFC has to feel pity for our, our, some of our sports teams. So let's bring back some real stars, you know, <laughs> like Steve and Jess, you know, love the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Cavs, you know, Cleveland Indians, but, it's hard. It's hard sometimes being a diehard fan like that, you know. And uh, be great to see some of uh, you know, the local stars from there and the superstars there in the UFC, like Jess Guy and Steve Amiosic, and be an honor to fight in Cleveland for the UFC. He is Team Alpha Males. Cody Garbrandt he picked up a giant win in his debut this past weekend at UFC 182. Thanks for taking the time today, Cody, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Oh, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cody underscore no love. And uh, my Facebook page is Cody No Love Garbrandt. Um, you know, give that a like, stay in touch. I'm trying to keep, get back with all you guys that are messaging me. Thanks so much for the love and support. Um, I can't wait to get back into the, the cage and keep fighting, putting on entertaining shows for you guys. And uh, 
you know, Lord willingly, I have a longevity with the UFC and my career. Thank you. Yeah, we can't wait either, Cody. Thanks a bunch, man, and then good luck for uh, 2015. All right, thank you. That was Cody No Love Garbrandt. Uh, giant victory at UFC 182 against Marcus Brimage. Sounds calm, sounds cool, sounds collected. He trains with beasts at Team Alpha Male out there in Sacramento. He's got TJ Dillashaw, the champion. He's got Uriah Faber. I mean, both of which are bantamweight fighters as well. So, you know, this guy has a ton of talent that he's already training with. He's got Chad Mendez at 45. Jesus, this guy, oh, he's got beasts in the training room. So why not give him something big for his next outing? Uh, and see what he can do in the bantamweight division. Thank you to him for joining me. Thank you to Carlin Bardsley for his heated conversation to kick off the show. Thanks to Justin Piro. He was the heated, the most heated I have ever heard him on his unpopular opinion segment. I'm not going to ramble on here much longer. Make sure you follow MMA Sucka on Twitter at MMA Sucka. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Sucka. And follow myself on Twitter at Jeremy Brand 604. Thank you to my sponsor, Onnit. As always, head on over to Onnit.com. Enter in the coupon code MMA Sucka. If you don't know what Onnit is by now, you need to head on over to Onnit.com. Human supplement uh, and everything. They got everything you need when it comes to human performance. Check them out on it.com. Enter in the coupon code MMASUCKA, 10% off your entire supplement purchase. I'm going to finish off the show right now, but keep on listening because I'm going to say rest in peace to Stuart Scott, and here is his SB speech from 2014. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to present the 2014 Jimmy V Perseverance Award to Stuart Scott. Thank you. You know, tomorrow all my boys are going to be like, yo, man, I saw you at the ESPYs with Peyton Manning, Money Mayweather, and KD. I'm going to be like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Jack Bauer saved the world, and he introduced me. (laughs) 24 is my favorite TV show of all time, so Kiefer Sutherland, thank you very much. I am very honored. Every day I am reminded that our life's journey is really about the people who touch us. When I first heard that I was going to be honored with this reward, the very first thing that I did was I was speechless, briefly. I've presented this award before. I mean, I've watched in awe as Kay Yao and Eric Legrand and all these other great people grace this stage. And although intellectually I get it, I'm a public figure. I have a public job, I'm battling cancer, hopefully I'm inspiring. At my gut level, I really didn't think that I belong with those great people. 
But I listened to what Jim Valvano said 21 years ago. The most poignant seven words ever uttered in any speech anywhere. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Those great people didn't. Coach Valvano didn't. So to be honored with this, I now have a responsibility to also not ever give up. I'm not special. I just listened to what the man said. I listened to all that he said, everything that he asked of us, and that's to build the V Foundation. And let me tell you, man, it works. I'm talking tangible benefits. You saw me in that clinical trial. Now, here's the thing about that. Coach Valvano's words 21 years ago, helping me and thousands of people like me right now, direct benefits. That's why all of this, why we're here tonight, that's why it's so important. I also realized something else recently. You heard me kind of allude to it in the piece. I said, I'm not losing. I'm still here, I'm fighting. I'm not losing. But I gotta amend that. When you die, that does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. So live, live, fight like hell. And when you get too tired to fight, then lay down and rest and let somebody else fight for you. That's also very, very important. I can't do this don't give up thing all by myself. I got thousands of people on Twitter and on the streets who encourage me. I got these amazingly wonderful people at ESPN. I got corporate executives, my bosses, this is true, who will text message me. And they'll say, hey, uh, heard you had chemotherapy today. You want me to stop by on the way home from work and pick you up something to eat and bring it to you? Seriously? Who does that? <laughs> Whose boss does that? My bosses do that. But even with all that, the fight is still much more difficult than I even realized. What you didn't see in the piece is what's gone on probably the last week here. I couldn't fight. But doctors and nurses could. The people that I love, my friends and family, they could fight. My girlfriend, who slept on a very uncomfortable hospital cot by my side every night, she could fight. The people that I love did last week what they always do. They visited, they talked to me, they listened to me, they sat silent sometimes, they loved me. And that's another one of the components of the V Foundation. This whole fight, this journey thing is not a solo venture. This is something that requires support. I called my big sister Susan a few days ago. Why? It's true. I can't ever give up because I can't leave my daughters. Yes, sometimes I embarrass them. Sometimes they think I'm a tyrant. That's a direct quote. There is an adjective that described tyrant too, but I'm not gonna go there. But Taylor and Sydney, I love you guys more than I will ever be able to express. You two are my heartbeat. 
I am standing on this stage here tonight because of you. My oldest daughter, Taylor, I wanted her to be here, but college sophomore, summer school, second semester, starting this week. Baby girl, I love you, but you go do you. You go do that. My littlest angel is here, my 14-year-old. Sydney, come up here and give Dad a hug because I need one. I want to say thank you, ESPN. Thank you, ESPYs. Thank all of you. Have a great rest of your night and have a great rest of your life.